Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Join in the studio today with Chris Black, who's a composer and performer living in Tucson, Arizona, and Billy Peer, who is a staff attorney for the ACLU of Arizona, based here in Tucson. They're here in the studio today to talk about an event coming up on December 2nd called Vexations Marathon to benefit the ACLU. What is Vexations? Vexations is a piece of music written by Eric Satie in 1893. It's just a little bit over a minute long, but Satie was kind of a weird guy, and he wrote some instructions at the top of the page suggesting that he thinks it should be played 840 times in a row. So that's exactly what we're going to do. 840 times in a row. That's what he said. In fact, he said something along the lines of, if you're going to play this 840 times in a row, you should probably prepare yourself with vast periods of silence and physical bondage or something like that. So I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but we will be playing this piece for about 16 hours. And what is the purpose? Why are you doing this? The purpose of this is to raise money for the ACLU of Arizona. You know, like there's a charity walkathons where people sign up and then they get their friends to pledge like a quarter per mile that they walk or a dollar per mile that they walk. We're doing the same thing, but instead of miles, it's music. So musicians can sign up. All musicians are welcome to sign up for this. And they can get their friends and family and local businesses to pledge according to how many times they manage to play the piece on the big day. How did you decide that the ACLU would be the recipient of Vexathon? Well, I've, I've been wanting to do something. I, I think a lot of us want to do something. In the last year especially, we would like to do something. And uh, I saw Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live with her sheet cake bit. I don't know if anyone saw that, where she basically yelled at a piece of cake, all of her frustrations. and. And I thought, well, there she is. She's doing what she does. She can go on TV. That's her venue. And she's doing her bit for all of us. What do I have? Well, I have a concert series. I have a bunch of friends that are musicians. I live in a really cool town where this kind of thing can happen. And what should be the beneficiary? I've long been a fan of the ACLU. They work tirelessly. And I can't stress that enough, tirelessly. I intended originally to have sort of an online webpage showing everything that they're doing. But they're doing too much. I can't possibly keep up with it. They are always fighting for our liberty, nonstop. In fact, I remember all of my friends in Tucson were very upset last year over the election uh, registration. Like they couldn't get their registration done correctly. They weren't allowed to vote in the primaries they wanted to vote in. There was paperwork errors and all this stuff. And then there were hours and hours long lines in various precincts. It was a real disaster. Guess who's working on that right now? Guess who's fighting for that right now as we speak? It's the ACLU of Arizona. Not to mention their very famous Miranda versus Arizona case, which led to you have the right to remain silent. They've just been working for us for decades. And so this is the organization that I want to support with this particular event. Well, this seems like a good time to hear from you, Billy Peard, staff attorney for the ACLU of Arizona based in Tucson. Thank you. We're, we're pleased to have this partnership uh, with Chris and, and with Chamber Lab. And, you know, we hope to raise more awareness about what we're doing here in Arizona and specifically here in southern Arizona and hopefully raise some money to to support our continued work here.
Can you talk about some of the history of the ACLU in Arizona? I know Chris just touched on Miranda, which might be one of the more famous cases, but there's other work as well. Absolutely. Uh, The ACLU here in Arizona uh, has been around since 1959. We currently have about 21,000 members throughout the state. 7,000 of them call Southern Arizona home. And, but of course, we fight on behalf of everyone, regardless of your membership status with, with our organization. In more recent years, we mentioned Miranda, we've also been at the forefront of litigation against uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio up in Maricopa County. Uh, many of the listeners will recall that during the past couple months, he was convicted of a crime and then subsequently pardoned by President Trump. That was all possible because of a civil lawsuit that we initiated uh, up in Maricopa County about 10 years ago and are still um, I should add, we're still fighting that same lawsuit, even though there's a new sheriff in town, literally. Um, that that lawsuit goes on. It's not just about one sheriff or one man, but it's about the the two thousand and some odd deputies and employees of the of the Maricopa County Sheriff's Department to make sure that there's not ongoing racial profiling. So that that's one example. Here in Southern Arizona, more specifically, we're working on a number of issues uh, related to immigrant rights uh, because we're here within 65 miles or so of the border. We're working on issues that are specific to our borderlands. Uh, for example, uh, making sure that the border patrol stays in line, that they uh, are not violating our civil liberties and civil rights uh, as, they're, as they're pursuing their objectives in border patrol checkpoints, in other types of enforcement actions that they take throughout the small rural communities south of us, uh, and toward migrant crossers themselves who have increasingly been the subject of police brutality and, and, and police violence at the hands of Border Patrol. Uh, another thing I could mention is that just in the last year, I don't know how to put this into words, but I've never seen such a grab for wealth and power, such a blatant grab for wealth and power in my life on behalf of the very wealthy and the very powerful. And a lot of that grab will wind up just stealing our money, but a lot of it also winds up stealing our liberty. And when you need somebody to champion liberty, to champion the Constitution, to champion the law, that's where you turn to the ACLU. And, and I should add that our membership has exploded since November 8th of last year, since the election, not just here in Arizona, but nationwide. Just here in Arizona, for example, I think we've tripled our membership numbers since November 8th of last year. Um, and a lot of attention has been paid to the ACLU earlier this year with the Muslim ban, uh, the Muslim ban 1.0, as we call it. But it's not our work is not about one president or one sheriff or one political party. We are a nonpartisan organization, and the work we do, as we just mentioned, precedes President Trump. It's going to continue long after President Trump. We know that a lot of the fights that we're engaged in today were policies that were implemented under President Obama, uh, including right here on the borderlands. A lot of policies related to border patrol, for example, are policies initiated under Obama, initiated under uh, Bush. And so we're going to be here for a long time, and we hope to expand our presence in southern Arizona so that we can keep tabs on what the government is up to. In this time period, we we find that the operations of government, that what they're doing in, in the realm of law enforcement, what they're doing in the realm of uh, everyday government functions is increasingly hidden from public view. So that's that's part of what we're here to do with or without Trump. Chris Black, can you talk about more about the event that you're planning? It is a unique event. 
which I find to be a bit of a pain right now because that means I have to explain it from the ground up every time because there's nothing like this that's ever been done before that I know of. Uh, but I'm happy to explain it. As I said, it works a lot like a charity walkathon, except it's music. So I hereby call on all musicians within earshot of this broadcast to join us at vexathon.com. Sign up for a chair in the ensemble. You can come and go as you like. We're playing at 840 times in a row, but no individual is playing at 840 times in a row. You'd sit down and you play it as many times as you possibly can, then you can leave. You could even come back later if you like. We're going all day long, starting at 8 a.m. and going until midnight. Uh, I've got music for just about every instrument up on the website. Uh, you can sign up. Sponsors can sign up there to make their pledges either to individual musicians or to the orchestra as a whole. And that's all happening right now. Then as we get to the big day, 8 o'clock in the morning on the patio at the Hotel Congress. On Saturday, December 2nd. Yes, on Saturday, December 2nd, 8 a.m., bright and early, we start playing with whoever is there. And we keep going 9 a.m., 10 a.m., on through the day. We'll have information tables there. We'll have everything you need to come in, have a seat, start playing, or make your pledges, any of that. And then at 10 o'clock p.m., we are going to stand up and march in grand style while still playing across the street to Maynard's Marketing Kitchen for the final two hours of the day. We're going to play right there on the Maynard's patio. And once we get to that big 840th repetition, we'll finish it off and have a great big party. Who counts? That would be the role of what I'm calling the anchor pianist. And I am in great need of pianists for this event, by the way, if anyone's listening. Basically, every time they turn a page, it's going to advance the counter. I've got sort of a little technical situation set up there where you just hit a foot switch and it advances. So everyone in the orchestra knows where we are. Everyone in the audience knows where we are. And it just keeps going. One, two, three, etc. That's a big part of it. Obviously, we do not want to lose count. You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson and joined in the studio with musician Chris Black and ACLU of Arizona staff attorney Billy Peard. Uh, Chris Black is putting together a Vexathon performance, and it's to benefit the ACLU And we haven't even really said yet that the ACLU, I think we take it for granted, but that it stands for the American Civil Liberties Union. And you touched upon this, Billy, that it it wasn't partisan. Could you talk more about that? Well, as our executive director in New York likes to say, a lot of folks have criticized the ACLU in recent months from the right and have said, well, you're just here Trump bashing and and trying to take advantage of this moment, the the anti-Trump energy that has boiled up during the past year. And our executive director often replies, he says, "Well, you should have you should have seen what we what how we beat up Obama." Um, we look out for violations by government actors at the federal, state, and local levels. It doesn't matter what party is in power, what politician is in power. Uh, it doesn't matter what agency is the wrongdoer. If we see issues that violate the First Amendment, free speech, violate the Fourth Amendment uh, related to unlawful seizures, if we see violations of racial profiling, uh, gender discrimination at the hands of government, 
if we see violations of LGBT rights at the hands of government, we will uh, be paying attention to those things. How did you get involved in this work? I had grown up here in Tucson, and I left, like many people uh, in my class at high school, we left when we were 18. Uh, I thought I would never come back. I vowed I would never come back. And 14 years later, here I am. I had been wanting to come back for a couple of years. I went to law school in the East, worked for several years as as an attorney in the East. And uh, I think beginning in 2010, I started thinking in my mind, this is a place I need to go back to. This is where the fight is. Uh, The work that I do around immigrant rights, a lot of my expertise lies in that area. In 2010, I saw from a distance, I was watching the passage of SB 1070, the uh, the now now infamous anti-immigrant bill that was passed by the state legislature up in Phoenix and and served as essentially a boilerplate or uh, a template for other states to, to repeat it. Uh, in the in the subsequent years, I watched that whole incident, um, the response to it locally in here here in Arizona, itching to get back in some ways, feeling guilty that I wasn't here um, on the ground, and the feeling I think came back up again um, last year during the 2016 elections, and I promised to myself, I promised that if Trump were to be elected, um, this is this is maybe four or five six months before the election. Uh, I vowed that if he were to get elected, I would come back to Arizona. Of course, at the time, I thought there was about a 2% chance that that would happen, but uh, here I am. In terms of the work with ACLU, I've arrived here relatively recently, and I've been with ACLU for about six months. Um, I, I had long, like many people, had long watched and observed from a distance the work that they do. And as Chris said earlier, I had no sense of the the large number of issues that they tackle. Um, I read the headlines and the stuff that percolated to the top of the newsfeed, but they really are involved in so many issues around the country and things that you will never read about um, because they're so obscure and legally technical, but they, I think they um, benefit all of us. The things, of course, that are a little bit sexier we read about, and happy to talk more about those as well. Let's take a minute to hear the piece, Vexation, so we have a little bit more of an idea of what Chris Black is bringing to Tucson on December 2nd at Hotel Congress and Maynard's Market. Chris, how did you even pick this piece? As far as I know, it's the only piece of music where the composer 
said that it should be played over and over again for a long period of time. So that's what struck me, that it would be a good fundraising vehicle. It seemed like a marathon. And that's how that worked out. And anyone that is a fan of Eric Satie won't be surprised by that. He was a unique and playful composer. In a time where music was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more complex, he tended to remain very simple and very small and enigmatic. Uh, he often had strange performance instructions written into the music that were not meant to be known by the audience, but only like to the performer. It just says, bury it in a hole and stuff like that. Like most composers just say, play this loud. But he's like, take it far away. These sort of things. He, he was so fascinating. He basically published his own zine in Paris that he used to complain about music critics. And <laughs> published it and handed it around. Uh, he had six identical outfits made of gray velvet that he had purchased when an uncle left him some money, so they called him the Velvet Gentleman. He just walked everywhere that he went, and he made these fascinating little piano pieces, the most famous of which I'm sure many listeners know, even if they don't know it's Satie, it's in a lot of movies. It's the one that goes, la, 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 la. It's called the gym, Gymnopedia, and, uh, and so a lot of people know of him, even if they don't know of him. But not many people know what a solidly kind of kind of weird guy he was, and a fascinating guy. So this piece naturally suggested itself as a good way to sit and do something over and over again for a good cause. Plus, it is kind of a series of discords. It's a series of strange chords over and over and over again. So in that way, it kind of struck me as being a little bit like living in the United States for the past year. It's the same series of discords over and over and over again. So let's reenact that in a performance for a cause. Billy, there's a Tucson office today, but there's not always a Tucson office of the American Civil Liberties Union. Since 1959, when the Arizona chapter began, we've had a presence, an office presence in Phoenix. Uh, the Tucson presence has has uh, come and come and gone over the years as our budget allows, and we had a Tucson presence for several years in recent memory. The, uh, that office shut down in in mid 2016 because of budget concerns, and then something happened a few months later, November 8th, and the online contributions soared virtually overnight, and and then the Muslim ban prompted yet another. Um, round of of online donations. Um, we also had a number of other funding sources that came through here locally during the past year. So all those things converged to allow us to open, to reopen a Tucson office, which is currently staffed uh, just by myself. Uh, we do hope to expand the staff size here in Tucson by at least one more person in the months to come. Um, so for that reason, we're thankful for these fundraising efforts, hopefully to allow us to do that. What are some of the cases that you're involved with? Here in Southern Arizona specifically, we have five or six uh, cases in ongoing litigation. The bulk of them are against the Border Patrol. So, for example, we have one case right now. Uh, we represent a couple of local residents in Arvaca, Arizona, um, just south of Tucson. Uh, Arvaca is a town of 700 inhabitants, um, just about 15 or so miles off of I-19. In order to get to or from Arvaca, you have to pass through a border patrol checkpoint. Uh, and many of listeners, I'm sure, have done done that at that particular location. 
uh, just just between the town of Amato and the town of Arivaca. Now, the Border Patrol calls this a tactical checkpoint, what, what we w- might think of as a temporary checkpoint. I call it a permanent checkpoint, uh, which sounds a bit more ominous, and it's permanent because it is permanent. Uh, it's been there for uh, roughly nine years now in the same location. After 9-11, the Border Patrol began expanding its checkpoint operations. There's now, uh, I believe, about 30 of them throughout the Arizona borderlands. And the two residents that we represent in Aravaca had begun ob- observing. They were frustrated by the activities of the Border Patrol in their town and the impact it had on their residents, residents who have to c- pass through to get to the grocery store, to get to school, to get to work. Many were harassed routinely, even even though Border Patrol agents recognized them by face and saw them almost daily. And so they began setting up a monitoring operation where they stood on the shoulder of the highway near the Border Patrol checkpoint and began taking notes, began taking notes about the race of the drivers that were being pulled over, that were being more closely scrutinized. They began taking footage, uh, video footage, and other things. On certain days, they came with picket signs. Essentially, the classic example of First Amendment rights, of protest, of observation, observing what law enforcement officers are doing, protesting their activities. And the Border Patrol began erecting these barriers to get them further and further away from being able to visually see what was happening. Um, So we sued uh, on their behalf to tear down the barriers that prevented them from getting closer. I should add that at no point were our clients ever interfering. They were never getting so close as to interfere with the operations, but wanting to observe. So we represent them in in that case, trying to uh, further their rights to observe and keep tabs on what the Border Patrol is doing in their local community. Where is that case at this moment? Well, like many cases, we lost at the lower level, uh, but fortunately, our system allows for appeals. So we've appealed that up to what's called the Ninth Circuit Court, which is based in San Francisco. And we should be having a decision on that case in early 2018. Another example, we also are suing the Border Patrol locally for what's known as the Ileras. Um, Ilera is the Spanish word for icebox and has been the moniker bestowed upon the temporary holding facilities here in Tucson. The Border Patrol headquarters is located off of Golf Links and Swan, and they have their uh, temporary holding facility, which holds up to 300 or 400 border crossers uh, on any given day. And they hold them there for, they say it's a short-term facility for only a, a day or two days, typically, that allows the Border Patrol time to process them, fingerprint them, et cetera, before they decide what to do with them next, typically removing them back to their home country. But the problem is during their stay at the detention facility, it doesn't meet minimum constitutional standards for prisons or for detention centers. So there's no beds. There's nowhere even to lie down oftentimes. There's inadequate medical care provided, medical screening provided. Keep in mind that these folks are typically apprehended after having spent three or four or five grueling days in the desert. They have blisters, they have dehydration, they have heat stroke issues. Uh, So inadequate medical attention, inadequate sanitary conditions. Uh, They are not permitted to shower. Again, after having spent three, four, five days in the desert, the food is inadequate. There's inadequate caloric intake for them. So we're suing for all those conditions issues, we, we call them, to improve the conditions of the facility. For me personally, regardless of what our immigration policy is or how I might feel about the immigration policy, I just think, can't we do better than that? 
can't we do better than these icebox detention centers? Can't we do better than this these checkpoint situations that that breed harassment? I'm sure that we can behave better than that under our existing laws. And that's why I'm grateful to the ACLU for helping us be better. Here also locally with the Tucson Police Department, I should note that you know, we've done a lot of advocacy behind the scenes as well. We don't always sue people. We also work hand in hand with agencies to do the right thing. Um, I do want to call out specifically the TPD for some of the great progress they've made in the past year, year and a half with regard to when they come into contact with folks they suspect of being undocumented. They're being more careful about the circumstances in which they question people about immigration status. Local police are not typically Uh, considered to be immigration enforcers. That's not their job. I think most police chiefs and sheriffs would say that that's not their job. That's not what they're here for. They're here to keep people safe and to keep violent criminals off the streets. I think here in Tucson, we should be proud that there is some positive movement being made from our local police department, for example, um, our local city leaders and other, other issues. We have a long way to go and a lot of issues to still to tackle, but I think that that's an important thing to point out as well. So on the national level, the ACLU is is also bringing the fight up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, We currently have five cases pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. That's the most the ACLU has ever had pending at any given time. Uh, Keep in mind that there there are only about 100 cases that percolate up to that that level each year. Um, So we're fighting five of those, ranging from LGBT issues, the um, Masterpiece, I I believe it's called the Masterpiece Cake case, where in Colorado there was a local baker who refused to bake a a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. We've brought that case to the Supreme Court. The Muslim ban case is still working its way through the system and is expected to probably be heard by the Supreme Court. Uh, We have another case involving immigration detention. And probably the most important one is a case called Carpenter versus United States, which is a case that for the first time is going to present the question of whether law enforcement has the right to access your cell phone location data in the investigation of a crime and whether they have the right to do so without a warrant. There was a gentleman that ACLU represents who was caught for illegal activity and the way that they caught him was by asking Sprint or AT&T or whatever cell phone company it was to gain access to his location data. So for the first time we're seeing it's not they weren't getting his the actual communications, not the content of what he was messaging people. But every time his phone made some communication with a cell tower, it's able to, to triangulate just like, as it is for all of us and to tell investigators where he was at a certain time and a certain date. They obtained that all without a warrant. And now it's up to the Supreme Court to decide whether law enforcement moving forward will be able to turn our cell phones into essentially many government agents inside your back pocket, meaning that every time you carry a cell phone, it essentially is telling the government, or it could be telling the government, depending on how this case goes, uh, where and when you are. If they ever want to investigate you, they can do so through no more difficult means than contacting AT&T or Sprint or Verizon. Thank you for telling us about what work the ACLU is doing locally and nationally, Billy Peard. Chris, want to tell us a little bit more about how people can participate? Sure thing. And I do want to stress that uh, normally with Chamber Lab, we do concerts, and I'm saying, hey, we're doing a concert, you should come see it. In this one, I'm saying, hey, we're doing a concert, and you should join us. 
we need musicians of all kinds, and we would like sponsors to sponsor and make pledges to their efforts. We could use some volunteers to man the information table. Please join us at vexathon.com. That's V-E-X-A-T-H-O-N.com. Everything you need to know is right there. So please help us out, folks. How can people keep up with your work, Billy Peard? They can go to acluaz.org. There we have a mini encyclopedia of information about what we're working on, including a full listing of our lawsuits and cases, that I, some of which I mentioned here today. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guests today were Chris Black, composer and performer living in Tucson, who's putting together the Vexations Marathon taking place on Saturday, December 2nd. You can learn more about that at Vexathon. And our other guest today was Billy Peard, staff attorney for the Tucson office of the ACLU in Arizona. You can find this and other recent episodes of 30 Minutes available at kxci.org.